the Crack House Podcast with Mike and Muskie. everybody welcome to the crack house podcast my name is michael sullivan joining me as always everything crackheadish chris musky muscalino what's up dude what's up mike man how was your week nothing bro just flying in the danger zone all week the danger zone 80s nostalgia is raining bro i know man it's back hard how was uh you saw maverick how was it? Sorry, man. You know, I saw a lot of stuff this week. Uh, we had Obi-Wan. We, we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. Maverick, phenomenal. Watch Stranger Things, which we'll get into in a couple of minutes as well. And it's, you know, it's good, man. Makes you feel young again. The movie was phenomenal. Before we get into the movie and my review of it and, you know, my take on it, let me ask you a question, Mike. You know, going back to our youth, do you like the 80s more or do you like the 90s more? Um... I think the 80s kind of had like more fun stuff because we were just younger, dumb kids. Right. But then, uh, you know, I enjoyed the 90s, too. You know, the 90s, you felt like you had a job, you had money and you could actually like really enjoy yourself like as like a, a semi adult, you know, <laughs> like you could go, you you know, in the 90s, basically you're hanging out with your friends, you're in bars, usually bars, clubs, you're doing real like adult hanging out, you know. The 80s, man, you know, running around Astoria Park or or wherever, you know, hanging out on Steinway Street, wh whatever you were doing, you know, it, it is. It's kind of like kid stuff. And then like the, the 90s was more like your adult, you're, you're coming into your adult life, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. So for me, it's the 80s, I think. Um, I had a good time in the 90s, but, you know, I always go back to The Wrestler with Mickey Rock and where he talks about like, Cobain and and you know we we've touched on it the alt rock you know uh, grunge scene just killing the good vibes of the 80s you know I had a great time in college in the 90s you know like you said you start you know you became a cop in the early 90s I became a broker in the mid 90s I had some money you know you're doing adult things but for the reason man it just I felt like the music was better in the 80s I, I felt like the vibes were better even though we couldn't do stuff. You know, I, I people, just yeah, I, 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 I get what you I've heard what people say when they compare the 80s to the 90s. And someone always, I, I've heard this from a few different people. It's like, you got to remember, too, in the 80s, everyone doing all this shit was probably on cocaine. Yeah. There was Cocaine's just like, a hell of a drug, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, there was just like this, like, who gives a shit kind of uh, attitude, you know? No, I agree with you, man. I mean, listen, we didn't we didn't partake. I mean, uh, whether we were too young or it just wasn't our thing, at least, you know. Um, but going back to Maverick anyways, fantastic movie. I think it touched on all the things. I said it to you off air, and I think, you know, a lot of people may agree with me in the sense that it might be one of the better sequels that I've seen in my lifetime. You know, I mean, I don't know if if it's too early, but, you know, it's right up there with Godfather 2 for me. You know, it's right up there for like, and, and maybe maybe I'm going out on a leg, you know, as really? far as like sequels. You really yeah. think it's, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. 
Okay. Yeah, I was just having a little mic issue. You think it's as good as Godfather 2? I don't know if I want to go there yet, but it's that, good, man. It's really good. You I know, mean, that sequel. Dude, that's a that's a that's a big statement, man. It I is. It is. I'm, and I'm sure people rip it apart, you know, they'll they'll uh, you know, they'll come after me for it, but I thought it was up there, man. I really did. I, I I think it's definitely up there with the with Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, and I'll take it back. I, I don't know if it's in the Godfather two category. You know, that's a best picture movie. Well, like like you just said, like we're, we're talking about like eighties nostalgia. Does the does this movie pull at every eighties heartstring? Absolutely. Throughout, throughout the movie. Absolutely. Or, yeah. And and it and it times it very well in the sense, it brings in Val Kilmer. You hit that part. You get the uh, you get the scene with Jennifer Connelly, you know the uh, the the flight instructor's daughter, you know that who you never see in in the movie, you know the first movie, she's in it, she's very good, you know. There's the whole thing with Kelly McGillis, you know, as far as not being asked back in the movie or being approached, whether it was sex appeal or whatever whatever it was with her, she just she was non-existent. You had the stuff with Goose, which was great, you know. The stuff is kind of like exploring the relationship with between uh, Goose. And Goose's Kid and and Maverick, um, the songs are fantastic. The music, I'm a music guy, you know, as as everybody knows, and you know the soundtrack was phenomenal. You know, if you're an '80s buff, you know '80s, you know connoisseur, it definitely pulls on the heartstrings. You know, John Hamm, I thought was fantastic. You know, I mean, they had other people that weren't around in the '80s, like Hamm's our age, right? He was phenomenal. Um, one of my big takeaways, Mike, was watching it with my wife and like, you know, granted he's a multi-billionaire or whatever, but I got much respect for Tom Cruise. You know, it's like he's in fantastic shape. He's on point. He's got that character that, you know, everybody fell in love with back in the 80s, whether it was um, The Color of Money, whether it was any of those cocky roles that he played, he, you know, for a 60-year-old guy, he nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And uh no, there there were a couple cliches. There were a couple pieces where you know pulled at your heartstrings. It definitely did. It was a very well acted movie. You know, I'll retract my statement. I don't think it's in 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 the the same vein as Godfather Two. Just for the sense that Godfather Two is an all time great. It's a best picture. Yeah, award. you can't. You know, yeah, that's a. I don't think I don't think I'll go there. But I'll tell you what, it's up there with Empire. All right. All right, I'll give you that. I mean, I mean, from every it's gotten like the reviews are off the charts with the movie. Everyone can't stop. Rave. Everyone I know that has seen it has raved about it. So I mean, plus, like you said, Tom Cruise. The guy rarely makes a bomb of a movie, really. He's reestablished himself, Mike, with this movie, I think, as the movie star or yeah, he's like something. he's like the worldwide movie guy. Yeah. Like, and I would tell right now, he might be the last greatest movie star, you know, just in general. I, I can't I can't name another guy or, or another woman off the top of my head that would be in that stratosphere right now. He's where, I mean, if you go back to I mean, go back to risky business. The guy's pushing a 40 year top of the heat movie absolutely. star career. All right. George Clooney disappeared. Now, think about a guy like George Clooney had Not a great run. He disappeared. No. Um, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all those guys fell off after a while. You know, they had yeah, they, older. They had they were older, yeah. but they only had like a 10, 15 year run of right. being like superstar action heroes. Then they all kind of went away. 
and made really like Stallone. I know just for example, has like seven or eight. I remember in like the late 90s and early 2000s, just a whole bunch of low budget bad movies that he made because the the uh, other studios, you know, major studios weren't taking a uh, a chance on him. Schwarzenegger just disappeared and became governor. Look at all those guys. John Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, all those action guys. They all go away. I'll tell you it, what, Mike. And he I, stuck through it. He stuck through it. I also say to you that, you know, he went through a down period, too. You know, I think when he started to jump on the couch and, you know, I think when his Scientology stuff came out, you know, um, which it still comes out. You know, I think it kind of dampered his career a little bit. You know, I'm not trying to slag any religion or belief system, but, you know, I think there was an element, you know, back in 06, 07 when he was jumping on the couch and stuff. And I think people looked at him a little side eyed, you know, um, and I think he's fixed it. You know, whatever he believes or he doesn't believe, whether how zany he act acted back then. Yeah, I think it's all he away. knows. Yeah, he knows how to tone. I guess he's toned it down. But I mean, even though, like you say, like the career, to, it kind of like didn't because he kept making he's been making these. He's got another Mission Impossible movie coming out. He's been making those almost 30 years. My brother Jason ran into him. He, he I guess he was looking at the Dakota at one point to live in there when my brother was working there. And Jason said he ran into him. He said he was a super cool guy. Like, you know, the guy was like really down to earth. You know, we we've dropped names before, you know, in terms of like, you know, people that we've run into and some of them cool, some of them not so cool. Jason said this guy was, you know, pretty down to earth. You know, he's like really, you know, sincere, you know, in terms of like speaking to people, you know, he supposedly um, uh, the one thing I've heard about him when he does a movie. Uh, people have said he knows everyone's name on the set, like the, the crew. Right. So like he'll come up to, hey, Chris, how you doing? How's your wife? How's your kids doing? He's supposedly one of those kind of like idiot savants that knows like that can remember everyone's name and little stories about them and things like that. Well, I did a deep dive on him I and mean, I did the deep dive on Scientology, which I goof on, you know, I've goofed on on Twitter. But I'll tell you one thing that kind of impressed me with it. And I think going back to like how this movie was made was that one of the premises of Scientology is everybody goes through trauma as as a child. And basically what it does is whatever this trauma might be, you know, it affects you in the sense that your brain isn't clear. You know, you can't focus. And I guess what they do is they go through a process where they audit it, you know, and figure out what the hell happened to you as a kid that jammed you up. They clear it up and it allows you to be super focused in terms of whatever it is that you're doing in life. With Cruz, he had dyslexia. He had all sorts of stuff that went on with his family. Um, I guess there were rumors of homosexuality that I guess, you know, I, he sued somebody over, over those allegations, but make a long story short, he got clear headed. And like you said, he, he knows every single person's name on the set and even making this movie, even during COVID, I think I, we've talked about this too, where, you know, he's like, look, you know, we're, we're going to set the industry standard in terms of how to make a movie do, during COVID. And he stuck to his guns as far as Mike releasing this movie in the theaters versus streaming it. He was very adamant against the thing going straight to streaming services. Actually, he said, over my dead body, is it going to go to a streaming services? So there were a lot of things that he did. You know, I'm just impressed with his focus. I'm impressed, you know, obviously with his fitness. I mean, the guy's pushing 60. And, and again, listen, I understand he's a billionaire and stuff and he's got nutrition and stuff. But what's his job, dude? He doesn't it have is. a job. He's Tom Cruise. That's his job. Yeah, you're right. It's the same thing like like Mark Wahlberg is what, 50, 51 years, like 51, 52 years old. 
That guy gets paid. Looks good. Wahlberg looks good, but I gotta be honest with you, Cruz is a whole nother level, man. Yeah, and, because and you're he's right, 10 right, years old. That's their job. Yeah, their job yeah. is to work out, man. It's like when you see like an athlete in tremendous, you know, his job is to be in shape. Right. And when you're right. not in shape, you don't do your job. You know, you're not doing your job. There are a couple things in the movie, though, uh, that kind of I guess there's some questions. I, I won't spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, including you, but. I guess part of the mission is kind of like a, 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 a bombing run reminiscent of like the first Star Wars where they're going through a trench and they've got to knock out a nuclear reactor. That's the premise of the movie, right? And nobody can figure out what the actual country where this reactor is. You know, some people are talking, well, is it Russia? Is it North Korea? You know, so it's never really they never spell it out during the movie. Uh, for you, so no, yes, they do. Because I heard the whole story behind it. Oh, do, did you? Yeah. Uh, I heard this on a radio show. I think it was on the bonfire. I mean, it's something they, to do with NATO. It's a NATO a company no, that's going against NATO. I think it was supposed to be China. Okay. And then China saw, found out, and said, "Oh, right, right. We are not. On it. We are not going to release this movie in China and cost you hundreds of millions of dollars. So you need to change this quick." And I believe. I mean, you saw the movie. I didn't. I heard it got changed to North Korea. Okay. Okay. Or, or or they allude to North Korea and China has nothing to do with it. You know, they moved it so quick. Like I couldn't figure it out. I'm sitting there with my wife and, you know, they're, they're explaining the mission and what they need to do. And they're making a nuclear reactor that's going to affect NATO. And they've got to knock it out before it's completed in a couple weeks. And basically the premise is Cruz comes back and, you know, John Hamm kind of plays that that uh tom scarrett role where he's kind of like a hard ass does he uh, show up in it tom scarrett does not show up in it but he's like 80 i think he's like 85 or something like yeah he's kind of he doesn't like... show up strickland from back to the future doesn't show up um he's pushing 90. yeah um, james talkin i think his name is or something like that actually they had a whole uh whole I guess uh, marathon or Back to the Future today, which is another enjoyable '80s throwback series, which I, you know, I, I like. But look, man, I think if you haven't seen the movie yet, if you're our age or in the in the age bracket, I tell you what, I'm not a huge movie guy anymore in terms of going to the movies. But it was well worth it, man. It was definitely well worth it. It was well put together. It pulled on your heartstrings. It's heartstrings. It hit the hit. It hit the nostalgia aspect of it. The soundtrack was really good. Cruise was fantastic. Even like Jennifer Connelly, who, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of. I mean, she never really did it for me in terms of acting or even looks or whatever, but she was good. Um, the kid who played uh, Teller, who played uh, Goose's son, was was really good. Uh, the other kid who plays the snot-nosed kid who gave the uh, the African-American woman a hard time in the, uh, the movie about the African-American ladies who, I guess, worked for Nassau back in the 60, 60s. I have no um, idea. I forgot the name of the movie. It's a really, really good movie. No, I know the movie. It's a, oh, Hidden with, Figures. With Kevin Costner. Isn't that Hidden Figures or something? I think something it's Something about. Yeah. They, they they helped design, like, they did all the mathematical equations. Yes. Like the, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So one of, the, one of the racist guys, you know, who worked for NASA back in the 60s, he plays a big role. He kind of plays the maverick role in this movie. You know, um, snotty, arrogant guy. You know, he just reeks of, you know, type a personality um he was really good in it um they, they hit a couple other you know other uh, you know it was a very diverse cast let's put it that way where i read somewhere like the first top gun movie there were two african-american people in it 
and I think one had a speaking part for a couple of seconds. One was Lamar from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Um, they had a woman, a woman female ace who was part of the team. They really hit everything, man. They really did a great job about it. You know, for a 2022 blockbuster in this kind of environment, the script was really good. John Hamm, I'm a big fan of. He was fantastic in it. Um, I, I tell you what, you know, uh, I, I again, just so anybody, Big Pad or Macho, anybody listen, it's not in the same ballpark as, as Godfather 2, but it's damn good. And I'll leave it at that. All What's right. not so great, though, and, you know, I watched the first couple episodes of it, Mike, and maybe you have an opinion on it. I wasn't too impressed with Obi-Wan. What? I liked it. But I'm uh, you know, the last one kind of. Wait a minute, which which episode are you up to? Three? I watched all of them. I I didn't. I, I have not seen three yet. That's what I'm saying. The first two were okay. The first two. Listen, it's here's my impression of the first two. Uh, Obi Wan is nothing from Taken, and he's a badass. <laughs> and yeah, listen, man, if you have not seen Obi Wan now, he is kicking butt. In these first th those first two now, now he knows like karate. He's disarming guys. There's not just a lightsaber. It, it's right, very right, right. like. Well, the last one I won't spoil for you then. But when you watch the last one, he does have like these other skills that he didn't have. Well, I think he kind of had them to an extent, but not to this level. But um, this last episode, and again, I won't spoil it for you. It feels like he's lost his powers, or like you know he's really super rusty. To the point where you're like, okay, this guy was a Jedi 10 years ago. He was at the top of his game. 10 years later and 10 years before A New Hope, <clears throat> all of a sudden, you know, he kind of looks like a weak old man. Like in the span of like an episode. So you'll see it. I won't give it away for you. It, it's good. Well, you know. It just seems like they made him this, her you know, the hermit guy. Like you get the story. Right. Like, okay, his job was just to watch Luke. And, you know, for anyone that hadn't seen it yet, won't spoil the first couple episodes, but he, they kind of make him. He winds up uh, having to help the young Princess Leia, too. They kind of turn him into like a little bit of a badass. He's beating people up. He's not he's not really using the lightsaber as much. No, he's doing like hand to hand combat stuff. I, I don't know what the whole thing is going to be about. Uh, it just seems like he's going to be protecting them. That seems like I, I can't see this series, though, like going like two or three seasons. No, no, not at this all. This is this is like 10 episodes, eight episodes or whatever, man, because this is going to just get so repetitive and boring that he's going to have to, like, save these little kids every week. You know, yes, I mean, the last the last episode, you know, you're going to get a couple of appearance from iconic characters. Let's put it that way. And. You know, listen, at the end of the day, we all know what happened. You know, the guy gets cut down in New Hope at the end of New Hope. So, you know, he makes it through this series. And like you said, some of this stuff is going to be repetitive. I think a lot of it's got to do with the uh, the actress, the African-American actress. I, I, I've read a couple of spoilers about her. She got a lot of shit on Twitter, actually. You know, um, a lot of people, were, I guess, well, she was claiming, and I and I believe her, that there was a lot of racist stuff thrown at her on Twitter. It's like, yeah, 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 that would that just came out. You know, I, I don't understand that, Mike. You know, I, I, I honestly thought her character was going to go a complete one eighty from what she became in the show. I thought she was because we've we've talked about this in the past with shows now. 
the bad guy always becomes the nice guy somehow. I and I the display I read kind of alludes to that. So and, and I mean, like that, from what I've seen in the first two episodes, it kind of doesn't go that way with her. You're like, she kind of doubles down. If it does, does go, if it does go that way, though, I mean, it'll just be par for the course with like every show, like Ed, the bad guy just has to have redeeming characteristics. No, sometimes they're just the bad guy. And, so, and you know what? There's something to be said. I think in, you know, back in the eighties, you know, like we were talking about the bad guy was defined, you know, you knew Hans Gruber was a bad dude. Yeah. You know, you weren't rooting for Hans Gruber, right? Mm. There was no redeeming him at the end. No. The guy with the blonde hair, right? <laughs> He, he was a bad dude, right? You're not really no bad. more table, pal. Like that guy, you wanted you wanted McLean wanted to kill him dead, him. Yeah. right? You wanted him dead. There was no like, you know, ah, you know, he's not. You know, he had a hard childhood. No, 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 no. no, no. He's Asian Dawn, bro. You know, it's. Uh... Yeah. I read about <laughs> but, uh... them in Time. <laughs> read it in Time Magazine. <laughs> but um, listen, um, I enjoyed Obi Wan. I just comparing it to Maverick. I was a little disappointed with the last episode. When you see it, you know, maybe we'll talk about it next week. Um, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to go beyond two seasons, even though I think McGregor wants to kind of like drag it out as much as he can. You know, I guess maybe he wants to get paid or whatever his deal is. But, um, you know, like you said, I just don't know really how much more you can go, you know, and how yeah. much you can squeeze. Like I, you know, I will I will say this, too, that the, the girl the Princess Leia, the little Princess Leia girl. She's good. She's going to be the new. She's the new baby Yoda. Absolutely. She's the one everyone falls in love with. Um, Absolutely. You know, we'll but, see what happens with Luke. You know, he hasn't really made too much of an appearance other than like the, you know, the little one where he's, yeah, um, yeah. where he's spying on him and stuff. But the girl, the girl is very good. She's a very attractive, very cute little girl. And I agree with you. I think it'll be baby Yoda time. Part, part two with that. Yeah, yeah. Did you see um the boys yet? The boys dropped no, on Amazon. Man. Have you watched that show at all? I haven't. Oh, oh, that's the show I told you. It's about the superheroes. I got to check it out. Uh, the boys season three came out. I haven't watched it yet. I think the first three episodes dropped. Uh, it's one of the to me, it's one of the best shows out there. It was based on a comic book. It basically shows how like a corp a corporation basically manufactured superheroes through chemicals and everything else. And they had these kids and they raised them as superheroes. Oh, I, I think I saw a trailer for it. Great, great show. Uh, check it out. We'll talk about that in more in depth next week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the season three just dropped. The first three just dropped for anyone that doesn't get it or, or hasn't seen it yet. It's like this to me. It's like the Sopranos where it took a genre that everyone knows straightforward and they just they just angled it like the way the Sopranos, you know, the way the Sopranos was when you saw a guy. No one's ever watched the show where a guy went into th a mob guy went into therapy and dealt with his home life and everything. This is kind of like the boys. What if what if Superman was an asshole? That's yeah. basically the show. Well, he what was in Superman three, which is one of my favorite. But <laughs> he puts Superman. It, but he puts on. <laughs> But he puts on the facade all the time as this great guy. And behind the scenes, he is just a complete piece of garbage. It is one of the greatest. I used to goof with a guy in college. He, actually, the guy who passed away last week, we used to always goof around together. And uh, we used to laugh at bad Superman. 
in Superman three with Richard Pryor, where you know Superman's yeah. drunk in the bar, Superman's hitting on Lois Lane, you know, and like you know making rude comments. <laughs> What's up, Kent? And whatever tough guy, Kent. Whenever we felt like being bad to like ex girlfriends, that well, especially me who who jilted me, I would always reference bad Superman from Superman mm-hmm. three. <laughs> but What's up, no, I do, Kent? What's up, Kent? Right. We uh, we definitely have to check. I definitely have to check out the boys. Um, what I did re- uh, see, I saw the first episode of the uh, the Sex Pistols uh, thing on Hulu. Oh, it came out already. Which is okay, but like you said last week, interestingly enough, Johnny Rodden hates hates it. He's yeah, like, it's, it's crap. He goes, "There's no truth to it," which leads me to believe that it's probably going to be decent. Yeah, they if if. If he's not getting paid, he's not getting like a consulting fee or anything like right. that. Of course, of course. If this is based on now, I'm assuming it's based on a book. I don't know what it's based on. Either based you know, on it. I could see it being based. You know, a lot of times when they do the documenting, it's either based on like several books or just a couple of incidents. I mean, obviously, obviously, Sid and Nancy is probably going to be one of the main things they get into. Not so much. I mean, they're going into like the the origins, uh, the origins of it. Um, the Clash are my thing, you know, the Ramones are my thing, you know, the, I like the Pistols and stuff, but the thing with the Pistols is you got to remember, Mike, th- they had one album, that was it, you know, and then, you know, Sid, you know, ended up ODing and, uh, you know, make a long story short, Johnny Rodden ended up, you know, having a second life with, with Pill, you know, uh, public, uh, public image. And there's a couple books that, Rodden wrote a biographies about him. And he's a pretty interesting guy himself. He talks about his stare. You know, he had um, a really bad disease as a kid that kind of creates that wacky look that he gives people. You know, he talks about, you know, the guitarist, you know, who really, I guess, when God Saved the Queen came out, didn't want to play it. And, you know, him and Rodden and the manager got into it with the guitarist and was like, look, you're going to play this. And if you don't want to play it, we're going to get somebody different. And they eventually they replaced the original guitarist with somebody different. I believe it was Steve Matlock. But um, it was pretty interesting. You know, um, you know, there's a lot of debate on who started punk. You know, punk goes back to the 60s with the Stooges and Iggy Pop and even the New York Dolls in the early 70s. Um, they all talk about the Ramones, though. I mean, he, yeah, the Ramones any- always get like they're the godfathers of punk. It doesn't hasn't come up in the series yet, but I'm sure it will. Strummer talked about it. Rodden talked about it, and, and they both said they go listen. They were big. They had their sound, but when they heard the Ramones, the Ramones they mentioned both of them said we're going like at hundred miles an hour, and he goes Strummer especially. He's like we knew we had to alter our sound, you know, to become successful, and they emulated the Ramones both of them. And, you know, listen, for for all those music connoisseurs out there, especially punk guys, you know, I love the Pistols. I love the Clash. The Clash is my favorite, but no Ramones, no punk, you know, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. You would probably know this. I saw one time on some interview show when they were just talking about this, and it was just all about the Sex Pistols. Supposedly, Sid Vicious was a horrible guitar player. Sucked. He couldn't play. And a lot of them a, couldn't play. A, a lot of times they would just shut off his amp. A lot of them couldn't play, Mike. You know, even the Clash, as much as I love them, you know, Mick Jones, he was the, he was the musician of the group. You know, he was really good. Topper heading the drummer was really, really good. 
but Strummer kind of taught himself. You know, he's more of a vocalist than a lyricist. Um, the guy, you know, the bassist, Paul Simonum, sucked. They basically had to teach him how to play bass. You know, you're absolutely right. With Sid, you know, Sid in, in the Pistols, the guy could barely put a couple chords together, you know, and they kind of carried him. And a lot of these guys were there for shock value. Like, you know, if you looked at Simonum from the, from the Clash and Sid from the Pistols, these guys epitomized punk, Mike. You know, like if you yeah, they're dressed, they're out, you know, they're dressed, what they, the way yeah. they look, the, the whole stage, appeal, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, it was like when I watched that. Um, we talked about that CBG movie, right? Like, a lot of these guys sucked, but they just did wacky shit on stage. I mean, here's a guy. I mean, you know who Gigi Allen is, correct? Right? Sure. Yeah. I don't think that guy was some kind of musical genius. No, he not did, at all. He just took a dump on stage every time he performed. Right. That was his whole thing, man. Uh, you you listen. I mean, I watched that documentary. I don't, I'm sure you saw it, too. There was the, the Gigi Allen documentary. I think it was on Showtime. And uh, they played a lot of his uh, whatever video they had of him playing. They had. And I mean, he was he wasn't that great. He wasn't this, you know, poet. As, as, no, as, you, you, as, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Mike. But he took I mean, a dump on stage. There's a drummer. I think it's his brother. I think his brother was the drummer. His brother still makes money off his brother, but he sells like drumsticks <laughs> that he shoves in his ass and then autographs them and sends it out to like Oof. people that are still fans. Yeah, I'm not into that kind of stuff, <laughs> to say the least. But I'm, but I'm just but saying I mean, the guy had just had like this that much of talent. But he also did like that much of wacky. shock value. No, you're right. Shock you're value. Right. You know, even Ozzy to an extent, you know, Ozzy was great talent, you know, and listen, he's a, he's a legendary figure in music. But, you know, I think he, he went to a whole nother level in the 80s going back to when we were kids. And it's like, oh, wow, Ozzy bit a bat's head off. And, you know, all of a sudden people were talking about that for like months on end. You know, not not to take anything away from Ozzy, but I think like his career, you know, for doing wacky shit on stage took it to a whole nother level. And even like, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think Ozzy had a lot more talent. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. We, you know, he was in the right place at the no, right no, time. No, yeah, you know, absolutely. He, he had a big career with Sabbath before any of yeah, that. Absolutely. And then, like, obviously did a shitload of drugs in the 80s and went off the reservation. And the antics know? in the 80s and even that series that he did, you know, with with his wife and the family, you know, listen, it amps it up a little bit. But going back to those guys, Gigi Allen, Simonum, Sid Vicious, you know, a lot of his, you know, those guys weren't super talented guys when it came to music. Um, I did check out another series. I, you know, I think you've watched a little bit more in depth than I did. I just picked it up maybe about a week or two. I'm probably about almost two seasons through Stranger Things, which, uh, you know, I've always seen it on Netflix. I never really picked it up and I just, I went to a party last weekend and a lot of people were talking about it. My kids watch it. They know about it. Um, it's good, man. You know, I mean, they got the kid, uh, Gaden Mazzaro with the, um, I guess he's got the disease, you know, where he's got the, you know, the, the kid with curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's good. Um, a lot of them are no-name actors other than Winona Ryder, who we were talking about off air. Um but I enjoyed it, Mike. You know, it's got a lot of throwbacks to the Goonies and the 80s yeah, movies it's, and the it's, Stephen dude, King movies. And it's stuff. exactly like what we were just talking about at the top of the show, man. It, it, it goes right to the heartstrings. It goes right into like 80s stuff. And 
you know, the one kid I think drives a Camaro on it, and the, the feathered hair and jean jackets. It, it hooked people in. It had that great. I love the theme song to it. It had a great 80s vibe. It, it, it to me, it gave off a whole Stephen King vibe when you absolutely, you know, and he's it, chimed in on Twitter, actually, and he's talked about it. You know, he, he's a follower, I guess, a fan of it. And uh, what's up, doggy doggy, Michael yeah. Sullivan doggy. And um, uh, so, I mean, like it had that whole thing. And like you said, it just it, it wrapped it in with that. You, you bring up Cobra Kai, uh, Maverick, all these things now, man, like all all this 80s nostalgia. It's like, you know, we got money now, so you can spend money on uh, on stuff you remember as a kid. I think season four, there's uh, the new thing now with season four is they're talking about there was a Kate Bush song now, which is like the today, hit. man. I it was like a... it's like the hit of season four right now. They, they right. said that the songs on the charts running, again. running up the hill or something that effect. I played yeah. it today at, at a charity that I did. And, um, you know, you're right. You're right. Um, it's a decent song. You know, I don't really remember it too much, but I, it, I, I, I haven't heard it yet. I just haven't had time to like go online and listen and see if I remember it. It's OK, but it's OK. It's a catchy song. I mean, if if I played it for you, you probably wouldn't remember it. Yeah. I didn't remember it. Well, I Kate mean, Bush was like an indie princess kind of in the 80s, late, you know, mid early 80s, mid 80s. Right. She was she never I think she had like maybe one or two hits on the charts. Nothing, you know, spectacular. I think you had to be like, you know, emo girl or or goth guy to really like kind of like be into Kate. Well, emo girl emo kind of like she was emo before emo basically and just bringing it like 360 mike you know as far as like what we started off the top of the show like you know listen stranger things maverick obi-wan obi-wan's more like you know you can kind of go bounce back between the 70s and the 80s but i just wonder if you're going to get like that thrust of stuff that brings you back to the 90s you know as far as like this seems to be like a a huge amount of stuff you know whether it's cobra kai obi-wan the Mandalorian, well, the Mandalorian, not so much, but um, Maverick, that kind of stuff. You know, to me, like the 90s is broken down to like two two actual decades in one. You know, you've got the early part, the first five years from 90, which to 94. You know, the Rangers are doing very well. So like 1994 strikes in my mind is like a cutting point, you know, okay. especially like in New York City. You know, you had the Knicks and the Rangers every night, the bar scene going on. You kind of had the tail end of like that first wave of grunge with Nirvana, you know, with the passing of Cobain, you had Pearl Jam. And then towards the latter part of the decade, you know, you obviously you were in the Clinton years, deep in the Clinton years at that point. And you had, I guess, a punk pop revival, you know, bands like Blink-182, um, uh, Sublime, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, but like you're kind of answering your own question in a sense, because like a lot of those like Blink 182 to Sublime, they're all back on tour. Those guys do tours constantly, you know, like they'll put like five of those 90s bands together and just go out and hit it, you know? Yeah. And they'll play like a place like Jones Beach or what? Do you see like a like a mass influx of TV shows and movies and TV series in the 90s? You know, like 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 we are right now at the 80s. Listen, as people get older, they they want to, you know, we want to clamor for our youth and our past. So in another like probably like six to seven years, I think you're going to get into that 90s nostalgia 
you know, rebirth. And you're going to have shows that hit the early night. I could see another like Saved by the Bell kind of thing going on. A show like right, that right, from like, right, the, right. you know, the early night. Oh, I had some TV shows from the 90s getting rebooted or whatever and being brought back or movies or songs or whatever. It, it, it always happens. I mean, uh, and, and I, I mean, right, I, rem- right. I, I remember as in, in the 90s, the hippie thing became big again in the early 90s. Everyone was wearing bell bottoms again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of, right, you know, right. like a blind melon kind and of. And you got the new Jurassic Park movie coming out. I guess you can yeah. that's a kind of throw back to the 90s and stuff. Um, uh, I see we're winding down here on time. So I guess. Uh, yeah. Wrap it up. Get the plugs and we'll get out of here. All right, man. Good show, guys. We're still uh, ongoing with the uh, the ever ongoing struggle with Zoom. So we'll try to work through this, get a little bit of a longer show over the next couple weeks. But um, hope everybody's doing well. Got my usual plugs. Uh, we got Jay Cristiano, 844-442-7334 at Cardinal Financial, refis and purchases. Mike Power down in Wilmington, North Carolina, Celtic Monkey. Mike, let's go Rangers. Tommy Devitt's place, five-star shopping by Tommy, 917-559-8264. Got me, www.djchrisclash.com. I'm like double booked in June right now and going into July. I did a very good event for uh, for the cops and the veterans, for charity uh, Heroes for, for Heroes. Uh, local Smithtown West uh, uh, girl put it together. So thank you, uh, Gianna, Gianna Cangro. And... Uh, Got your usuals, got uh, Eugene's Place up in uh, Rye, New York, Pizza, Piazza Pizza. And Mike, take it away before we get wrapped up here. All right. Um, just for me, Jack at I Can Paint. Um, Pat Dixon at the uh, New York City Crime Report and Notorious NYC on the Locals channel, www.locals.com. As for me, uh, Broadway Comedy Club, June 12, 16, 27. 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. shows. Go to broadwaycomedyclub.com for tickets. And that's about it. I did a show there last week. Had a great time. And uh, also shout out to the Village Idiot, uh, Andrew and Isaac, who had me on Wednesday. Great time. Great show. Um, Go check those guys out on Instagram at the Village Idiot. And with that, we will see you when we see you. Later. Peace, everyone. Danger Zone.